Hey, welcome to the H&HR podcast. My name is Heather Taves. And I am Heidi Bolt. And we're sisters. We believe here at the H&H Hour that your ordinary is extraordinary. Thanks for listening. Hi, friends. This is Heather. Before we launch into today's episode and introduce our guest to you, we wanted to give you a heads up on a couple of things. First of all, we recorded this episode with our guest weeks before the coronavirus pandemic started. And so we make no mention of that in here. Heidi and I talked about not airing it right now and instead having another conversation about what our world looks like right now. But then we realized we're all kind of sick of hearing about it. And probably a show that doesn't talk about COVID right now is what everyone wants and needs. Two, we really feel that there is something very specific in this for some of our listeners. As you're spending more time with your family right now and uninterrupted time with your children, which is both wonderful and challenging at the same time, you're having an opportunity to observe your children for some of you in ways that you don't normally get to observe them in. We believe that the information that our guest is sharing today may be exactly what you have been needing to hear when it relates to your child. We're so excited to have this conversation with him and for you to hear all about this. And we firmly believe that for someone listening, you need to hear this information. So we just want to encourage you and tell you that we're all in this together and we hope that you enjoy this show. We believe it is so helpful. Hey friends, welcome back. We're excited to be back with you. We hope you've been loving this incredible weather and the sunshine. I'm loving it. Well, at least here in Illinois. In Illinois. (laughs) It's finally, there's finally a hope of spring in the air. The birds are singing. Yes. The sun is shining. Yeah. It's lovely. Okay, Heather, this is a really fun day today. We have got some incredible guests in studio. Mm -hmm. And I'm really, I've been anticipating these interviews that we have lined up today. Yes. Um, So, well, you have reason to anticipate. Yeah. Because it's been an important part of the last few weeks of your life. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead, introduce our guest. Okay. So um, if you're new to the show, my name is Heidi and this is Heather. We're sisters. And we started this podcast because God gave us this idea. This was not our own brainchild. He just dropped it. We were sitting having dinner with our husbands on Prospect here in Peoria mm-hmm. over three years ago now, mm-hmm. three and a half years ago. Yep. And it just dropped. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we feel as if we should start a podcast mm-hmm. that interviews, quote unquote, ordinary people. Right. And tell their stories because, yeah. you know, most people get to tell their story if they're a public speaker or they're famous or they're an author or, yeah. or they've you know, like a, us, we're communicators. Right. They've started a nonprofit or they've done something that the world would consider really like a big thing. Right. But really, we've learned that it's really the small things in life that end up being the big things, yes. right? The small consistencies, the habits that we all implement, the training we give our children, the things we do that people don't applaud right. that make the big deal. And everyone has a story. Mm-hmm. And when you give someone who's never had the opportunity to tell their story before, you find out these incredible things about people. Yes. And we want the world to hear their stories. Yes. So all that to say, sometimes we chat, Heather and I do, um, that, thus the H&H Hour, Heather and Heidi, and sometimes we invite these incredible 
who people would maybe say ordinary. Sometimes they're famous, sometimes they're not, but people into our world to share their story. And today we're welcoming Dr. Timothy Cundiff to the H&H Hour. Welcome, friend. Thank you so much. I am thrilled and honored to be a part of this podcast. Okay, so are we going by Timothy or Tim? Uh, Tim is plenty. Okay, uh, Tim my, is my plenty. birth certificate says Timothy, but uh, <laughs> okay. don't you worry, Tim is. I respond to a lot of things. Okay, as I only call my husband Christopher when I really need him to listen to me. Does it work? Uh, sometimes, yeah. If I'm not answering properly, Timothy, and yeah. you, you give me in line, okay? But Tim, you know, as long as things are going well, it'll be, it'll be Tim. Sounds good. That's Sounds awesome. Good. Okay, so before we launch in, I'm going to talk about why you have been important in my family's life. But before we launch in, share with our guests, our listeners, a little bit about who you are. Well, uh, I am Tim Cundiff, <clears throat> uh, born and raised uh, Peorian, grew up in East Peoria, and uh, I am an optometrist uh, just down the block uh, here in uh, in uh, East Peoria, or here in Peoria at Vision Care Center. Uh, grew up in East Peoria, went to Peoria Notre Dame High School. Uh, I went to, uh, right which there. is also right, right around the there, corner. Yeah. I know yeah. it. This is my home. I love yeah. Peoria. I love this community. Mm-hmm. Um, when I moved away to college, I went to Loris College, Dubuque, Iowa, mm-hmm. uh, a small Catholic school in Dubuque. I played baseball there. I'm, a, I'm an avid baseball nut, so I played baseball for the Dewhawks. And uh, when I was away at college, that's when I, the concept, you don't know what you got until it's gone, you know? Yeah. And so I, I grew up in Peoria, loved it and enjoyed my childhood and everything. But once I moved away and nothing against Dubuque, Iowa, great place, but mm-hmm. I really was, you know, not, not homesick, but just, you know, Peoria has got a lot to offer, you know, that other cities don't. And I really, my love and passion for this community really began when I was in undergrad at Loris. Mm-hmm. I would bring friends home for the weekend, my roommates home or whatever. And I had a map of, of the city. I would take kids on, on uh, tours of Peoria and take them to different <laughs> events or whether it's a chief's game or go to the museum or things like that. I uh, love that. Uh, my uh, love and passion for this community started uh, when I was away at, at school. I was away for a few years. I did uh, undergrad at Loris for four years. And then I went to optometry school at Indiana University over in Bloomington, Indiana for, for four years. Uh, I uh, graduated in 08 and I've been back here, uh, 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 Vision Care Center, uh, practicing optometry. Uh, the rest is history. Uh, I, I work with Dr. Roger Fitch. Yeah. Um, he has been an optometrist in Peoria for decades. Forever. He was my optometrist when I was in second grade, oh. getting in trouble in the classroom because I was <laughs> whispering to Tommy, who sits next to me, what does it say on the board? I got in trouble every day. I couldn't see the board. Mm. Uh, my mom finally takes me into the eye doctor, and sure enough, Dr. Fitch fit me with my first pair of glasses. Uh, now I wear contacts. I've been a patient of his since I was in second grade. And, and literally now I've come full circle. And I get to work right beside him uh, every day. That, that is incredible. That is amazing. There's so much in there. I can't wait to unpack I know. This. I can't either. Okay, first of all, I just have to say your passion for Peoria reaches us so deeply because we feel the same way. Awesome. Um, grew up here, feel people are crazy for wanting to move away. I mean, every city, every, here. every place yeah. has its struggles, but this place is amazing. And my husband is Canadian, and he oh, wow. um, he has lived here now for almost 20 years, and he calls this place home. And he's yeah. like you. He has this passion. So I have to introduce you to him. Love it. Because yeah. you would love him. Totally. But that, we feel the same way. Peoria is an amazing place to, to live and to raise a family and... Um, I love that. Well, we were so struck by your email signature, which says, proud to live in Peoria. And I love that because I do feel like that shift, like some people have this negative tone about their home place, not just Peoria, but wherever home is. And I love to see people that take claim of the place God's put them and go, no, I love this place. 
You know, it's maybe not perfect, but it is good. It's so good. And the people who say to me, there's nothing to do. There's nothing going on. I mean, that just drives me crazy. I am booked to the brim and there are weekends where I can't fit everything in that I want to do. You just got to open your eyes and you got to look around and see what's going on. There's so much and there's something for everybody. Mm -hmm. I love Peoria for so many reasons, but it's it's the small town, the relaxed Midwestern feel. No traffic. No traffic. 20 minutes gets you anywhere. That's in rush hour, 20 minutes. (laughs) But it's got all the amenities of a big city. Yes. Bradley basketball games are yes. rocking. I mean, it's fun fun energy. Peoria Chiefs, the museum. I, I served on the board of the Riverfront Museum for, for 10 years. I was on the board at Lakeview and then Riverfront. That museum is world class. World class. We've got Leonardo da Vinci's work here right now in, in, in town. We've got the Mona Lisa, best replica of Mona Lisa ever. And it's right down the street. Yeah. And you don't get that other places. Yeah. It's a special place. I'm so proud to call Peoria home. I love I it. I love it so much. That's so good. Okay, so because we talk about people's ordinary lives and then being extraordinary, what's something about you, Tim, that you feel like, hmm, this is ordinary about me? Um, I... Uh... You know, I uh, I work I work uh, a uh, eight to five type of a job, and I go home. I, I go to the gym. I, I I'm just like you. I'm just like everybody else. Uh, um, I uh, love sports. I, I really a uh, passionate uh, sport fan. Uh, whether that's the St. Louis Cardinals uh, starting up here shortly, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's the football, the Green Bay Packers, uh, yeah. University of Notre Dame, big Irish fan, uh, or whether that's college sports, supporting yeah. my alma mater of Indiana or Loris or even the Bradley. Braves here in town. Yeah. Uh, I, I go to sporting events. I play uh, baseball. I still play baseball in the That's Peoria so cool. Sunday Morning League. If you're Love familiar that. with that league, it's the oldest amateur baseball league in America. What? This summer will be our 105th season uh, of the league, and I've been playing for about 20 seasons uh, ever since I was in high school. Uh, and uh, still love it. I mean, baseball is a game. I mean, it's a kid's game, uh, you know, but to be an adult and to still get to play, I mean, I'm going to do it as long as I can. Uh, that's ordinary. I'm a, yeah. I, I like sports. I like baseball. I like, you know, just yeah. uh, uh, living here in the Midwest. Well, okay. we'll give you a pass on being a Cardinals fan. Oh, boy. Because yeah. we're Cub fans. Uh, well, Avid this was a fun Cub interview. Fans. This uh-huh, was... <laughs> uh-huh. But you're a Packers fan, so. You've okay. been redeemed. Yes. All right, good. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. <laughs> okay, you're going to like this about baseball. Our brothers are diehard. They... Yeah bleed blue for cubbies yeah one of our brothers was a writer for the cubs for a while and so i mean truly invested our church recently bought a church building downtown by the chief stadium and we're renovating it the very first night our church leadership team was standing in that building my brother isaac was telling our team he said you know throughout my whole life i feel like god's used baseball to show me that he loves me he's like and i know that sounds crazy to some people but for me baseball has been so important and as he's telling that story, a foul ball rolled in to, there's a huge garage door on the building. The garage door was open and a foul ball rolled right into the room. Love it. And we were like, <laughs> what? So we get it. We yeah. get that passion that it's like truly woven into your DNA and so important. It's the American pastime. This is the All-America City. I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, nothing better on a yeah. summer day. I mean, people complain the game's a long game. I love it. Three hours, sit there, relax, <laughs> have a beer and a popcorn and have, right. have a hot no dog kidding. and just sit back and enjoy. It's just fun. It's just I that atmosphere. That. It's a, you know, it's a great, uh, it's a great game. That's I awesome. Love you love life. Uh, how do you feel about hockey? I enjoy hockey. Never played. Uh, I enjoy, wouldn't call myself a diehard fan. I didn't okay. list a, a hockey yes. team as uh, yes. um, uh, my, uh, one of my best friends from high school played hockey cool. uh, in high school. Huge diehard Blackhawks fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is gung-ho. Well, you'll have um, to tell him my last name is Taves. 
So uh, and and I am related to Jonathan Taves. Are you serious? I am serious. Wow. So, so your, your husband's from Canada. He is. He's so, Chris Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. So you'll have to tell your friend that, that you've just met Jonathan Taves' <laughs> relative that he doesn't love even it. know exists. <laughs> that's outstanding. I love it. So funny. Okay. So what's something about your life that's extraordinary then? Um, I, uh, I, uh, I'm very involved in the community. You I, are. I, at one point I was on eight boards, eight, I was uh, on eight boards at the same time, you know, and, and, and I still found time to eat and sleep and, <laughs> and do my day job also. That's outside of work. Amazing. So I think that's maybe people, I don't know if they call that extraordinary or crazy, that's awesome. <laughs> but, but again, I love the community and I want to be involved. And yeah, maybe I had a problem saying no to, to, to people and I, <laughs> sure, I'll help out with this and that. But again, I love it. I mean, it's, it's giving back. It's something that I love to do. Um, whether it's the Riverfront Museum. I'm currently on the board of Wildlife Prairie Park, another mm. gem of Peoria. Yes. We're yes. talking an iconic location here My in, kids in the love community. It. Yeah, yeah, totally. Kids love it. Adults love it. I yeah. mean, it's got something for everybody. That's Peoria in a nutshell, something for everybody, you mm. know. And um, I do serve on the uh, the state board uh, for the IOA, the Illinois Optometric Association. I saw that. So I've been really involved in my profession in that regard, and that's really been the focus of my last you know few years ever since I got elected to that yeah. to that role. So uh, that's a board. I mentioned the Sunday morning league. Uh, I, not only do I play, but I'm also the president of the league. You know, so, <laughs> of course you are. So I wear two hats or multiple hats. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, I think that's my involvement, my passion, my love for the community is uh, maybe what makes me unique like you say mm-hmm. there are people who get down in their hometown mm-hmm. or whatever every day you look at the news it's negative press yeah. negative news well that's everywhere that's not peoria every place yes that's what sells that's yes. what sells mm-hmm. the media oh no the, the 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 latest problem or epidemic or whatever that's going to get people's attention and mm-hmm. so that's what the media is going to latch on to but that's not the real heart of a community yeah. and so i like to find the the bright spots and accentuate those and uh back in 20 uh, probably 2012 uh, I met with uh, Mayor Artis yeah. and uh, Ryan Spain, good friend mm-hmm. of mine, uh, was a councilman at the time, now a state, yep. state rep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, you know what? This is back when I was at Loras College, building my love and passion for the community that I've moved away from. Yeah. Uh, I, re- I was reading about the history of Peoria, and Peoria was a three-time All-America city. And I'm like, what does that mean? I- I'm learning about this while I was away at school. And so I meet with them and say, listen, you know, we're a three-time, all- why can't we be a four-time All-American city? Have you ever thought about, you know, doing this? And Mayor Artis says, not a month goes by that somebody doesn't bring that up, that, hey, we should look into that. That'd be a great, you know, thing. And and there's not just a, an office that's in Washington, D.C. that just selects these cities. You actually have to apply for it. And it's a yeah. full project to, to really uh, 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 become nominated and to yeah. apply for that. And he said, I've just been needing people to help this out. And so at that time, I was the head of the Young Professionals Organization. And so I got a committee together and boom, boom, boom. We uh, brought back the title of the All-America City for the fourth time here in that Peoria. That is so, so cool. That was extraordinary. That was a special moment. That was a highlight of my life. That was something yeah. I'm so proud of. And yeah. and uh, we, we had a great team of uh, young professionals. We, we blew the National Civic League away. They had never had a community that was applying for this award uh, driven or, or led by the young people. It's always the dignitaries of the community, the, the mm. mayors or the councilmen or, or, or business leaders and things. This was a bunch of 25-year-old kids, uh, guys, girls. Uh, we wow. had the, the, the elite drumline, uh, Carl Cannon's group. Yes. Uh, Carl, yes. Is, the, Carl is the best. Carl is awesome. Love Carl. Talk about an icon, uh, yeah. just a legend for our community. Well, he brought his drumline out there. We blew them away out there in Denver, Colorado, and we brought home that award. And I'm so proud of that. That was a special You should be. That's amazing. Moment. That's yeah. awesome. So, that is amazing. Thank you. Okay, let's talk about... Because you talked about being a second grader, 
and struggling in school. Mm -hmm. And that is what brought me to your office. So we home educate our children. And I started noticing with my firstborn, you know, you've got your firstborns and you're like, okay, I've never been through this before. So is this normal progression or is this behind? And I started to feel like there was a struggle with reading and it became very apparent. Like this is just not clicking. And I don't think I'm a terrible teacher. Like I think this, I think there's a struggle here. Well, and we knew he was very, very smart. He's brilliant in, in so many other areas. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was, you know, missing something altogether. Right. So I were very good friends with our pediatrician and I had just, we were having a text conversation. And I just said, you know, Terry, something is just not clicking. It, do you think this is dyslexia? What do you think this is? And he, he taught me a long time ago, actually nine years ago when Kroz was a baby, Kroz was very ill and he taught me, he said, Heidi, you are your child's expert, even in a room full of medical people. You are his expert. So you tell us what you want to see done. And he said, Heidi, you're his expert. What do you think needs to be done? And I said, okay, my gut tells me it's his vision, but I've always been told his vision is 2020. And he said, okay, are you okay switching to a different doctor's office in order for him to get different type of vision treatment? And I was like, sure. You know, if that's what you think would be good. So he said, I want you to go see Dr. Fitch and Dr. Cundiff because I really think they can help Crosley and they can help us determine if this is a vision thing or if this is a dyslexia thing or what this is. And so we started with your office. And first of all, my kids love coming to your guys' office. Thank I you. mean, they are like, are we going to get our eyes checked today? I'm like, no, we just did that two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, bummer. We love hearing that. That's yeah. <laughs> um, so your, your staff is incredible with the kids. I could not agree more. The, I mean, just every single person that we have connected with there has been outstanding. But we come to you, and to be honest, I was both not surprised that there was a vision issue, but blown away that there was, because I'd always been told that he was perfectly fine. So talk to me about what I experienced with Crosley and kind of what we determined was some of the issues he was having in school and in reading. So the uh, the first thing that I will do is a quick vocabulary yeah. explanation yeah. there. Because what you said is what I hear every single day. Moms or dads say, well, Billy, he's got great eyes. He's got great vision. He's 20-20. Yeah. Well, 2020 is a measurement of eyesight. Does this eyeball have the optical uh, correction to be able to see the small letters on that chart that are in the 2020 row? That's a sight component. You can have sight and have poor vision. Mm -hmm. Eyesight is one piece. It's an important piece. Mm -hmm. I was the kid who was getting in trouble because I couldn't see the boards. Mm -hmm. I had eyesight problems. I'm very nearsighted. I'm, I'm different from from uh, from your son in that in that in that regard. But so as far as the eyesight piece goes, as long as the kid is 20-20, oftentimes they get labeled into the category, well, eyes are fine. Yeah. Vision's fine. Everything's fine. The way a traditional eye doctor is going to look at that, they're going to say the eyesight is great. Right. <clears throat> they're going to do a test of the health of the eyeball. The eyeball structurally is healthy. There's no disease or damage or anything like this. And then so commonly, unfortunately, too commonly, they then get that box checked completely for the parent or for the pediatrician or whatever that eyes are not a problem. Yeah. Now, what makes me or Dr. Fitch different in this regard, our specialty is what we call behavioral optometry, mm -hmm. or you can call it functional or developmental optometry. 
where we take the visual system and we look at the whole system. We don't just look at eyesight. We look at We do look at that. That's an important piece, but we're looking at visual function. How do the eyes move? How do they track? How do they converge and focus on this print on this page that they're trying to read? And what we find more often than not, kids have great eyesight, but poor visual function. Hmm. What you don't realize, what nobody knows is that our eyes are controlled by muscles. We think of eyes as little balls in our head, little round things that just help us to see stuff. And if those round <laughs> things need more power, you put a pair of glasses in front and now they see stuff better. Yeah. But those little balls in our head are controlled by muscles. There are six muscles that control the right, six that control the left. There are two eyes and all six of those, all 12 of those muscles have to work together. Yeah. You've got a muscle inside your eye. In addition to the muscles that move your eyes, you've got a muscle inside the eye that helps to focus. Think about your uh, camera when you used to have to dial it in and out of focus, right? Now you press your, your screen and it does the mm-hmm. autofocus for you. Yeah. Well, our eyes have an autofocus muscle inside our eye that when you're looking at the page, it brings it into focus for us. You don't have to press a button or turn a dial in your eye. Well, the problem is that happens when things are working right. Yeah. But when they aren't, when those muscles are not working properly together, they aren't functioning as a team with the two eyes, that's when we have kids who can't see to focus on read, or they can see for a while, but then it gives way, it goes mm-hmm. out of focus, it keeps going on and off, or they're getting headaches, or they're frustrated, or they mm-hmm. can't sit and concentrate. And so then we get labeled into different categories. Well, he's a bad reader or a bad yeah. student. And you were smart in saying, no, he's a smart kid. He, he knows his stuff. He can, he can learn if I verbally teach him. He can remember anything. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. Wild memory. And they've learned to compensate. Yeah. So many kids find the way, or they're smart kids, they can find mm-hmm. a, a way to, to adjust and to uh, get around this problem that they might not even realize that they have. Yeah. And the issue that I feel is so many kids, when they're learning how to read, Reading's hard. I mean, reading is a it's, a, it's a tough skill to learn. Like riding a bike, it's a brand, brand new huge thing that you've never done before. Yeah. So they don't know any better. Sure. They don't know how to complain that this is a problem because they just might think, well, this stuff, it is tough. My friend was talking about how he hates to read. So mm-hmm. this is just a tough thing to do. Yeah. They don't know how the letters are supposed to look and how yeah. clear and consistent your vision is supposed to be. So they can't voice the complaint. Yeah. And then they fight through it. They compensate for it. They're, they're, you know, getting headaches. They're straining their eyes. They're taking forever to do their homework, but they're limping along because they're smart. They're able to compensate for it until mm-hmm. then grades are starting to slide or behavior is starting to come into play. Because yeah. if the kid doesn't want to read his book and sit and focus, he's going to close his book. He's going to yeah. do something else. He's yeah. going to be bouncing off the walls. He's going to be annoying the other kids if you're in a classroom mm-hmm. setting. And that's where... A whole different can of worms and a whole different group of diagnoses and labels can start to come into play that might not be the issue anyway. And if the kid had the eyes checked for sight only, then we might have wrongfully already excluded that as being an option. And so that's what we, long answer for you. I I, I ramble a bit. No, that's a great answer. That's super helpful. Anyway, there we go. Well, and I think, so, so we sit down with you, you did like a 50 minute exam with him and sure enough. You were like, okay, yep, there are some pretty major issues that are probably preventing him from reading with speed and with excellence. So you recommended a program called Vision Therapy. Correct. And we, I'll be fully honest, my first initial gut was like, I have never heard of this. Um, I'm pretty, my husband sort of teases me because I'm pretty very natural, like, let's find the root cause of issues. Let's look at, is, is there a natural treatment for this? Is there you know, do we have a vitamin deficiency? What's going on in our body that is causing whatever the issue is? 
So when I came home and I said to him, okay, there are definitely some things that I think we need to address. The recommendation is something called vision therapy. He grew up in a medical family and his same response was, babe, I've never heard of that. And I said, I know I haven't either. I just, in my gut, I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me this is the right approach for us. I've never heard of it either. And I feel crazy right now, but I feel like we need to, we need to give this a shot. And it's a commitment because it's a, you know, for us, it was a 20 week program that we were committing to once a week. And I'm like, I just feel really strongly like this is our path. And he's like, you know what? You're his primary educator. You're his primary caregiver. You're with him all day long, every day. If this, you, if this is what you think is right, we'll do this. So talk to us about one, why? And I talked to Heather, we're best friends. I'm like, Heather, have you ever heard of vision therapy? You know, you're four years older than me. Tell me what I've missed out. <laughs> and you know, people I was talking to, no, I, I've never heard of that. Talk to us about why this is such an unknown suggestion. Great questions. And, and I think the, the way I look at that is, is this, it's a subspecialty mm-hmm. among one profession out there. You, you mentioned your, you know, your husband has a medical background or yeah. whatever. I, I think of it kind of like this. There's different approaches to medicine here in America. Yeah. You know, we've got a problem. How do we solve that problem? Well, we can use a medication. We can see if there's surgery. That's an answer. We can see if there's other alternative solutions. And so in a way, vision therapy or behavioral optometry is kind of that outside of the box approach to medicine. Yeah. If you think of it like this, I don't do surgery. I've never touched a surgery blade in my, in my life. Okay. So we are looking at holistic ways or, or different ways of trying to address the function. Yeah. Uh, I have patients who have lazy eyes, mm-hmm. not, not your son, but a patient who has a wandering, drifting, lazy eye. Okay. Mm-hmm. The medical approach to that says, okay, if the eye is pointed off to the corner, we need to do a surgical intervention here to straighten that eye out. Okay. And that's the medical approach to a lazy eye. And that, in theory, makes perfect sense. It's going to help with the alignment. And there's no question there are plenty of patients who need that, who absolutely have to have that type of a surgery done. But just realigning the eyes and getting the eye to point in the right direction doesn't automatically make that eye now work with the other eye. Mm-hmm. Okay? Our eyes are directly connected to our brain. Mm-hmm. Optometry, eye care, is in a weird way. It's neurology. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with the brain and how the brain processes. We talk about visual processing. And yeah. so many patients we see have processing disorders, visual processing, auditory processing, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the processing gets into the not just the eyeball or the ear or whatever the issue is. It's how does the brain work with this? And not just how does the brain work with this eye, but how does the brain work with the two eyes in balance together? Mm. So my example there of that lazy eye, we call it amblyopia, that wandering, um, um, drifting eye, if it's realigned surgically, well, then that's going to help the cosmetic component of it. No question. The eyes will be straighter. But that doesn't now guarantee now that the system is going to be in tune with the brain and working and processing together. Mm. So optometry, and, and behavioral optometry is going to look and see, are there ways that we can work functionally to train the brain, to train the eyes, and to train these muscles? Yeah. Okay, so it's kind of like physical therapy, mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. occupational therapy. Mm-hmm. It's a very specific <laughs> type of, of, of muscle arrangement that we're working with, but in a way, it's also neurological therapy to teach the brain to work with the eyes together. Right. So it is a very uh, 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 unique subspecialty. Yeah. Yeah. And so the majority of optometrists, the majority of ophthalmologists, the majority of your eye care providers on this planet or in the country, they don't have this type of background or this type of, of niche 
specialty. They have their own, their traditional medical type route. Let's see if we can correct with surgery. Let's see if we can correct with glasses, stronger glasses, reading glasses, whatever the case would be. And those are appropriate on certain times. Yeah. But the, the, the truth, as you've explained there with your son, what we find more and more often, and I'm seeing it patient after patient after patient, there are some ways that we can naturally get to a similar, if not better result, in my opinion, a much better result of, of better function. Yeah. Function is, is the bigger issue. Yeah. Uh, I'm not worried about eyesight. I've already checked that. that check that off the list. Yeah. I'm looking at the, the functional. Uh, you think about, uh, I'm, I'm on the state board for, uh, for Illinois for optometry. We've got over 2,000 optometrists in the state of Illinois. There is one office in our city that has this type of a specialty. And it's yours, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 So uh, we are the minority, the the uber minority. So the majority of kids who've gone to get their eyes checked, who've had that kindergarten eye exam, the majority of them have gone to a eye doctor who's going to go the traditional route. And I'm not putting those doctors down. They're wonderful doctors. I work with them all the time. They're my friends and colleagues and everything else. And they do a good job. But they might not have that experience or have the ability to put together the program like you've seen the Crosley experience. Yeah. So. Do you feel like some of it might be because we live in such a microwave society where everything, we want it right now. Right. You know, we want Amazon Prime and we can get it the next day and drive through food. Instagram. And we, yeah. <laughs> instant society. And this isn't an instant fix. Yeah. So do you think that maybe some of it, the lack of this being so available is partially that I do agree yeah I mean that makes sense I mean uh, um, let's take a look at the ADHD category okay I'll just bring that up and, and I'm not a pediatrician I don't diagnose ADHD I don't undiagnose ADHD I don't prescribe medicines for it but if you have a, a, a child who's bouncing off the walls who's ex- exhibiting all of these demonstrations of an attention uh, hyperactivity situation I'm going to say the easy or the quick or the microwave approach is let's prescribe this medication to calm Billy down. So he's not bouncing off the wall. So he's not hyperactive. Well, if you compare the symptoms of ADHD and you compare those with the same symptoms of, let's say, convergence insufficiency, a common binocular vision disorder, my most common uh, finding that I find in kids like Crosley, convergence problem, focusing problem, tracking problem. The symptoms are very similar. The same symptoms could go two totally different ways. The quick route is let's try the medication to see if that calms them down. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately the holistic, my route is going to be, I don't want to prescribe a drug to this kid who maybe, you know, he's a healthy kid growing. I don't want to put him Mm -hmm. on a, on a medication if I don't have to. Mm -hmm. And yes, we do use medications. I do. I do the traditional aspect of optometry as well. I do the glasses. Mm -hmm. I do the pink eye. I do those things where we need to diagnose Mm -hmm. and and prescribe as, as that is. But I do kind of step back a little bit when I'm seeing this patient for this eye exam. I do the traditional, but I want to look at the global, the big picture. Is there mm-hmm. something else going on, something that's fishy? Yeah. And so with your son, we find, hey, there's some things out of the ordinary. He's not, his eyes aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. These yeah. muscles are not working. That now leads us into, we got to dive deeper. we got to do some yeah. further testing. Mm-hmm. And we got to do a potential 20-week program mm-hmm. that's going to really get to the bottom of it. Yeah. And that's not the quickest answer. And so that's not always accomplished. Or that's sure. not always the, the preferred answer because of that. Yeah. But I think that most parents would, if they knew this was an option, would move heaven and earth in order for their child to help their child to be healed, find yeah. a way that their child can can be healthy and yeah. and doesn't have to be on medicine. And so I love that we're having this conversation because I feel like there's going to be a huge amount of listeners out there that say, I need to look into this. Yeah. Well, I know even sitting, so we did start vision therapy. And when I sit there in, you know, waiting on our son to get done with this session, 
I see these moms coming in that I know. And I'm like, oh, wow. I've like, and we have this aha moment of like, people aren't talking about this. And as we've been in this program, I found out that one of my own cousins has been through the program at your office. Like multiple people I know have been through it. And so, and all of them have these glowing reviews of how much it has helped. So we're 11 weeks in to our 20-week program and his results have been extraordinary. I mean, our our therapist, Sam, who I just cannot sing her prizes high enough, I am going to beg her, even though she's semi-introverted, as she has said herself, <laughs> I'm going to beg her and bribe her with a bottle of wine <laughs> to come be on this podcast because Crosley loves her. He looks forward to going and spending this hour with her in an environment that is helping him. He's learning, but he's having fun doing it. And he's taking these huge strides and we're seeing it come out in his schoolwork at home. Heather actually is, has partnered with us to help with his reading just to bring another partner in, another voice in, and she's seeing progress. And so I just... If we have listeners that are listening and you've got children that you are just struggling with, you know, second grade, third grade, and you're like beating your head against a wall, or you feel like you're crazy because you're being told they're fine, please look into what is maybe hindering their growth because there's a reason. Like our bodies are designed by the maker of the universe with such perfect creation. And so if something is off, there are people like Dr. Cundiff who can help your children. And it's been this, you guys and your staff has been an answer to prayer in my life for my son. I can't say thank you enough for your kind words. And I, 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 am, I love what I do. And if my passion comes over on, on these uh, microphones, then, then, I, then I hope it does because I, I love optometry. I love eye care. I'm, yeah. I'm blind as a bat without my contacts on. I love correcting, you know, fitting kids with contacts for the first time or helping somebody with their, with their glasses or uh, treating their pink eye or, or their sty or treating glaucoma and those things. Yeah. But in my 12 years of doing this, there is nothing that's even close to the fulfillment that I get when I work with a child like Crosley. When mm-hmm. I see the transformation of these kids, it's my most fulfilling part of my day yeah. uh, watching these kids who are frustrated who are getting bad grades or whose parents are frustrated, whose teachers are frustrated, watching that and watching the transformation. This stuff works. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. That's the part that has really made me so passionate. Who, who I jumped at the opportunity to come talk at this uh, show. I, I love getting this message out. It's such a niche. It's such a specialty. Uh, I, I'm, I want more optometrists doing this. Mm-hmm. I, I want this to become a more commonly discussed topic. It's not that it's hidden or it's hiding or whatever. We, there's not enough of us to, yeah. to go out and do this. I'm a, yeah. a, 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 a booming voice as much as I can do, but I can only say so much. You sure. know? Did you so. have to go to uh, additional school for this or take a special path or what, what did that look like? I go to the same optometry school that every other optometrist goes to, okay. but in addition to the traditional requirements, I do have to now uh, receive additional specialty hours in okay. terms of my uh, ongoing schooling. Okay. And so yes, uh, you mentioned Canada in uh, a few months, I'll be heading up to Toronto for the, the national meeting. Okay. It's actually the international meeting. It'll be yeah. in, in Canada. Uh, and so the, the COVD, the college of optometrists for vision development, okay. I, I'm essentially a student of, of that organization. 
education, they're the governing body of, of doctors who, who perform vision therapy. So I'm required to take continuing education sure. more and more hours uh, than the traditional optometrist would have to. So it's a commitment. It's, it's yeah. a time commitment. Yeah. It's, I didn't uh, you know go to a, a separate school for this. I mean, you, you learn the components of the visual system. Mm-hmm. This is just our area of specialty. And okay. so whether that's uh, additional testings, whether that's additional hands-on experience working with uh, patients, uh, uh, it's something that not every eye doctor has the ability to, to do on their on their regular day, sure. let alone the staffing needs and the, the training and everything that you've, you've commented with Sam. Sam's wonderful. We have three wonderful yeah. therapists. Yeah. We have an administrator who runs the entire department over there, and they have to do their training and, and education as well. You know, So it's not a, a simple thing that just your, your, your technician can go and do this type of, of therapy. Yeah. Uh, if we want to talk about just therapy itself, what is it or what's going on? I think one of the biggest questions that I get is, well, what happens? Billy was a bad student, a bad reader. Now he's reading great. What are you doing? Are you tutoring him? Are you just teaching Billy how to read? Are you doing phonics with him? Are you doing (laughs) whatever? None of that. We don't tutor. We don't teach how to read. Not at all. The issue is with the visual system in the brain and the eyes aren't coordinating or cooperating together. We are doing activities, exercises. I'm prescribing lenses that we're using, filters that we're using, lights that we're using. We're doing certain hands-on tangible activities where these kids are focusing and we're training them how to get their eyes to focus together. We're teaching the brain how to accept the image from, from both eyes. Yeah. Um, it is a, uh, an intensive uh, hour uh, program, and then this, the child goes home and does some homework. He, mm-hmm. he does some repetition of these different skills. We're mm-hmm. training these skills. You can think of it like learning how to ride a bike. I mean, we're, we're teaching the system on how to work and coordinate and things like that. We're not tutoring. We're not just right. going through the alphabet with them. And so that's one of the biggest, you know, misconceptions that I, that I think people have. And yeah. so uh, it's watching that growth and watching that change. It's a real change. We're, mm-hmm. we're changing the brain. We're, yeah. we're changing these, these uh, eyeballs yeah. and their, their visual system. That's what makes me so uh, thrilled about what we do. And, and it's, it's, I'm passionate about it for, for that reason. So correct me if my layman's terms are too simplistic here, but from what I understood, when Crosley would look at a word, he might see, if it was bat, he might see B three times in a row, A three times in a row, T three times in a or row. Or like shadowed. Or shadowed. So he may not be able to see that it's actually B-A-T, which is why when he looks at it, he can't go bat. Yes, absolutely. So so if I'm uh, in, in front of someone, I'm using my hands. You guys can see my hands. The folks on the, on the radio cannot hear, see my hands. I use my two fingers, my two hands, and I, I bring them together. Each hand is an eye, and I want those eyes to fuse and to work in sync with one another. If the two eyes are not in sync, then there can be overlap, where one eye is pointed inward more than the other. Not visually noticeable, not cosmetically, not a crossed eye necessarily, yeah. but they're just out of sync. Yeah. If you think about your eye as being a camera, and each eye is taking a picture of this word. Well, if both of those, excuse me, both both of those cameras are overlapped perfectly, precisely, then we're going to see the word as it's meant to be mm-hmm. print, printed. But if one eye's muscle is sluggish and they're mm-hmm. tired and they're trying to, they're, they're wobbling. Your legs after a workout, your 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 legs are sore and wobbly, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have that same muscle tone. Mm-hmm. Well, those eye muscles, you don't see those muscles. You can't flex your eye muscles, but they wobble just like your legs do. Yeah. And you lose the consistency and the crisp 
in sync positioning of the eyes. Right. And so if you have that wobble, then what happens, the image moves. Mm. And so what you were describing with those letters, it's looking to him like the letters are moving, like there's two Bs or three Bs wow. or the words are running together or blending together. Uh, that's the issue. I have a, a printout that folks can't see on the, <laughs> on the radio, but when I give talks, um, I use PowerPoint a lot and I make some PowerPoint uh, um, uh, we can link uh, stuff too. Sure, sure. So just you know, take a look at this right there. Mm -hmm. You ask a child, Billy, do you have double vision? And Billy never says yes. Billy does. Billy thinks double vision is I'm seeing two of you right now. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing two two human beings. Mm -hmm. That's double vision. Yeah. But when the eyes are out of sync. When the eyes are not linked together, there's going to be a doubling or a blurring or wow. a blending or a shadowing of these letters. Yeah. So what you're looking at right there, and you can put a snapshot on your on your uh, Facebook, yeah. that is what it looks like to Billy when he's trying to read wow. if the eyes aren't in sync. Billy doesn't know that that's wrong. Billy mm -hmm. just thinks, oh, this reading is kind of hard to do. This is a funny font. It's a cool font or whatever. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know that that's an eye problem. Wow. And so that's where... Our goal is to clean that up and yeah. to make mm. the eyes more in sync, strengthening those muscles, coordinating those muscles. The muscles are already pretty strong. It's not that they're, they're weakened in that sense, but it's just they aren't coordinated together. There's 12 muscles, 14 muscles technically that have to be all in sync, working in the same place mm -hmm. at the same time. That's what we're trying to do, and that's what therapy is all about is to yeah. clean that up. That's so amazing. Okay, so we have listeners all over the world, all over the country, all over the world. Is there a website that they can go to to find out where do I find someone? If they're not local. Yeah, if they're not local in my area. I'd say visiontherapy.org. Okay. Simple as that, visiontherapy.org. That's a wealth of information. There's examples. You're going to see demonstrations like that. Yeah. You're going to see uh, 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 stories of cases and, and kids just like your son. Your son's story would be on there. Uh, does your son sound like this? Boom, boom, boom. And it's going to talk, talk you through that. Great. It's going to yeah. go through a lot of the definitions, a lot of the uh, vocabulary. Uh, another great resource is called COVD. Org. So that's the College of Optometrists and Vision Development. That's okay. the governing body that oversees optometrists who perform vision therapy. Their website also is a wealth of information, and they have a doctor locator on there where you type in Perfect. my zip code. I live in Texas. Here's my zip code, and it's going to list you. Here are the five doctors in your area uh, that, that do provide this type of specialty. That's awesome. We'll link all of those, including your office, Wonderful. if that's okay, Absolutely. on our show notes. That yeah. way, anybody here local can reach out to your office, but then people listening in other areas can can go get that help too. Well, I think, you know, he just handed me this this uh, slip of paper and it actually makes me emotional because, mm -hmm. um, so remind me, when what month in infancy does our vision develop? What are the months that it's being developed? So uh, let's think of it like this. When a child is born, the eyeball structurally is developed, the retina is developed, the cornea is developed, but the visual system needs sight in order to develop their eyes are closed in the womb they are yeah. not their, their vision mm -hmm. is not even beginning to develop until after birth so yeah. we say anywhere from two to four months or so after birth is when yeah. the visual the visual system functional vision it's a mouthful uh, <laughs> is developing yeah and that can take years yeah two to three years for that to to begin to develop yeah um uh it goes into a different segue that i'll, I'll touch on but ultimately um uh you need vision in order for the visual system to start to learn yeah. uh, depth and, and color vision and appreciation and coordination and tracking and yep. all of those various skills. Those aren't developed. Those aren't beginning to develop until after birth. See, and the reason birth. I ask that our, our listeners know part of his story, but that was part of when I was just really praying through like, 
God, what do I need to offer him? What do I, as his teacher, as his mom, as his advocate, what do I do for him? And I kept hearing vision. And I was like, again, thrown off because his vision was perfectly fine. His eyesight was perfect. His, his eyesight. eyesight was 20. But in my mind, I thought, well, his vision's fine because I've been right. told his eyesight is fine. Right. Um, so, but when he was born, he had colonic atresia. And so he ended up having four surgeries before the age of five months old. And he was hospitalized, lots of medications, lots of trauma. Um, and I just, I was researching it and I remember coming across it, th- seeing that the vision is being developed in those early months. And I thought, there has got to be a connection. There's got to be a connection here. And then as we chatted and we started to see kind of what some of his struggles were, it started to just click and make sense that his body was so focused on surviving and not dying. We, We almost lost him multiple times. So, so focused on not dying that his vision was being neglected. Correct. And so for Crosley, it has made so much sense that he can be brilliant and so advanced in so many things and yet have this vision struggle. And that's why our specialty is in some uh, uh, groups called developmental optometry. It's yeah. the developmental visual system. And so what you've described there, we see that a lot. Yeah. Uh, these developing bodies, they're brand new to this whole new world. I mean, yeah. it's a huge brand new world. There's a lot of, of processes that have to take place. And that's where if something derails it, if a kid is sick at an early age, has a cold or a flu, or, or they're hospitalized for one reason or another, a surgical intervention, that can be a blip on their little their yeah. little path. Yeah. And that little blip could have been a, an important milestone that they needed to, to accomplish. Well, it's made so much sense to me as Sam's worked with him that she's helping kind of rewire his brain on how his eyes work, Bingo. like training his eyes, like this is how we do this. And she, you know, you had shared with me that he might be able to focus for a while and then his eyes are going to give up on him because they're tired. And I had seen that like, man, some days he reads fairly well. And some days it's like, we're starting all over again. What is this? And I have seen his ability to read longer come into play. I've seen that I can see that his eyes are converging properly. I can see that all of the therapy and all of the homework is paying off. I would, I would put him in this program as long as possible because of the progress I have seen. And I have the confidence in him. I have seen, I didn't even know to label it this, but he was having extreme anxiety in public if he was ever asked to read. I even saw it with you and him recently where you're like, read these words for me. And he's like, you know, like seizes up this extreme anxiety because I'm sure he's thinking, oh crap, this is what I'm not good at, you know? And so seeing that start to fall away has been, huge as a mama. And that's where I say when I'm, I'm literally, I'm saying to these parents and to these kids, I'm seeing new people. I'm seeing new kids. I'm seeing a changed kid. Yeah. Their personality is different. Their yeah. confidence is different. Yeah. They're, they're out, uh, outgoing, you know, they're less introverted. There's uh, so many factors that uh, your personality can change when you have that degree of confidence. And yeah. so that's the part that, you know, um, uh, when I treat a, treat a, a pink eye, I, I don't see that transfer. I, I see a person <laughs> no longer in pain. I see a person who's smiling because yeah. they don't have, you know, yeah. discharge coming out of their eye. Yeah. But this is a different, this is where this uh, has become uh, so fulfilling for for watching Mm -hmm. this transformation. Mm. One of your therapists told me that in Europe, it's way more common that before a child would be sent for like dyslexia, they would test to see if they need vision therapy. 
Yeah. That's incredible. It's 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 the Great Britain Dyslexia Association, some something like that. I can give you the yeah. uh, the proper name of the institution, but anyway, um, before they will even accept a child in to be tested for dyslexia, <laughs> step number two on their you you must do this this and this is you must have your child tested by a behavioral optometrist. That's incredible. And and so they have the. They've seen it. They've witnessed enough of this, and, and there's there's a it's a different healthcare system in Europe, and, yeah. and the different rules and regulations yeah. and things. And that's not putting us down or, or whatever else. Right. They have realized the role that this has played. And listen, if we can find something in that category in in the uh, functional uh, component that's that's having the impact, let's address that first before we now just fall into the path of dyslexia tutoring yeah. or ADHD treatments or things like this, those things which are very valuable and important in so many cases. If there's a, a disconnect here, let's, address, let's get to the bottom of the problem first. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's find out what the root is. Makes right. so much sense. Okay, before so we started sense. recording, you dropped a little nugget on us that we're just going to ask oh you about. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you said you were in the process of writing a book. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, I, I sure will. So, um, uh, well, first of all, happy New Year to you, to you both. I know it's I know it's March, yes. but I'm celebrating every day this year. Yes, it love is, that. It is, 2020. It is. This is the year of eyes. This is the year of vision. The year of optometry. The year of behavioral optometry. This is our year. Yes. You find me another profession on this planet that has a year that's synonymous with when you hear 2020. <laughs> what do you think about? You. I, I mean, it, 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 easy now, but you know that. So I, <laughs> I am thrilled that this this year is 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 our year. And, yeah. And I'm proud of it. Yeah. I have been working for several years now on a book, and my goal was to publish it in the year 2020. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, it's it's getting there. It's 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 on its final uh, the home stretch of uh, dotting some eyes, <laughs> literally, yeah. uh, with, with the book. But um, uh, I'm an optometrist, and mm-hmm. my my training and my education, uh, I am an expert in in this profession of of optometry, and so I'm using the book to kind of tell the story of how did all these frequently asked questions that I get every day. The questions you guys are asking me and then the question of what's astigmatism mean or what's yeah. glaucoma mean? And I'm, those are the things that I hear every day and I'm trying to educate the public in that regard. Yeah. The first half of the book is that. It's educating the tangible uh, things that we can associate with vision and w- with our eyes. The second half of the book is merging it more into, well, uh, vision is a metaphor for so many things. Mm-hmm. Having a vision, setting dreams, setting goals. And so having faith, uh, uh, you know, believing in a, in a greater power and, mm-hmm. and, and everything in that regard mm-hmm. requires more than your eyeballs. You have yes. to be able to see with your heart and mm-hmm. see with your brain, see with your mind. And so the second half of the book is, is kind of using it in, in that way. It's kind of inspirational in, mm-hmm. in that regard. Mm-hmm. So I, it, it's been a fun, it's been a fun project for me. I, I'm, I'm excited about it and, and it, I'm, I'm no professional author or anything else. So I hope it's entertaining. I hope it's, uh, uh, uh provides folks with just, I hope I open their eyes a little bit. I, mm-hmm. I open my patient's eyes by giving them their contacts or their glasses or their vision therapy. But I hope that this can maybe kind of see the bigger picture. There's more out there than just eyeballs and optometry. There's a bigger purpose for us on this planet. And so how can we use that as a way to open eyes and really see with true vision, not just with eyesight? That's so good. I love that so much. (laughs) Well, and when it is getting published... We will cheer you on. Yeah, we will tell our listeners about it because um, we know our brother has uh, his second book that's just hitting the shelves, and we know how important pre-sales are 
for the book's success. And so mm-hmm. we will cheer it on and tell people to buy it. And I, I do appreciate that. Yeah. Absolutely. And a very little known fact about, you know this, but most people don't know. One of the dreams, long-term dreams that my husband and I have is to start a publishing company. No way. So maybe right. book number two for you. There we go. There we you could go. publish. Yeah. Outstanding. <laughs> Love it. Okay. You also, before we wrap up, you were given the award, one of the Peoria's 40 under 40 leaders, correct? Correct. Like a decade ago. A couple years ago. Yeah. A couple years ago. I'm giving away I'm, his age here. I'm still under 40. Don't. No don't one knows still... how old you were. You were young when you got the award. So tell um, us about that. Uh, yeah. No. Again, total honor. I mean, that's that's the what a recognition here in our community that this is. Um, um, uh, I was humbled and honored to receive that. Yeah. But, but I think you know, you asked earlier what makes you unique or extraordinary. Well, I, I love this community, and I'm going to do everything I can for this community. And yeah. I think that that showed to some folks that how much of a passion that I have, and I want to promote this uh, city, promote Peoria, promote the region. I'm, I'm an East Peoria guy, but I don't see us as East Peoria versus Peoria, or, Greater or, Peoria. Or, yes. It's yes. the metro. It's the whole region. Yeah. And, and this is a special place. Yes. And so that award to me is a special. Uh, um, uh, a recognition that I'm doing the right thing, that I'm 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 in the right place, I'm in the right city, and and uh, uh, couldn't be more proud of this all-American city. So cool. He's <laughs> my so new cool. favorite person. I told you you I were know. gonna love Easy him. Now. I know. <laughs> my kids love him. Yeah. Collins yeah. was scared to death. I love to your get kids. Her. They're great. She's great. three. My three-year-old was like scared to death, and Crosley's like, Collins, it is the most fun doctor's visit you've ever had in your life. So can he say that on a billboard for me? Yes, can, can he we would. Have him do he this? would. <laughs> he surely would. <laughs> I'd love that. Yeah. So, well, Tim, it has been such a great privilege to connect with you. Thank and, you so much. Uh, just from my family to your office, thank you. Thank you for how intentional your team is with my kids and specifically with Crosley right now. Um, we just had the others checked out and examined and they don't have the struggles that he had. And so it's just, it has been very eye-opening, no pun intended, <laughs> um, <laughs> truly to have God put you in our life mm-hmm. as the answer we needed. So thank you. That means a lot. I, I really, um, I love what I do. And I hope that, hope that is evident uh, to you and to your kids and, yes. and to everyone else. Uh, it's been an honor working with you. And, uh, and really, I just, uh, I, I thank Dr. Fitch. I mean, uh, just uh, yeah. uh, the opportunity to work with him on a daily basis. He was my eye doctor when I was in second grade. I've come full circle with mm-hmm. him. It's, it's pretty so amazing. Cool. He, he has the outside of the box way of thinking uh, on life, on, on healthcare, on eye care and everything else. And so I've learned a lot from him. I, I don't want to take all the credit. Uh, I mean, I, I, I uh, really uh, um, have learned from so many people. And so what I, the little part that I can do to spread the word of vision therapy, to educate the public mm-hmm. and everything else, I'm doing this on behalf of optometrists all over the place mm-hmm. who, who are yeah. passionate about this, who have seen these types of, of positive change in their patients. And, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a special thing. It's, yeah. a, it's a unique uh, opportunity to change some lives. Well, we'll have you back when you publish your book. Awesome. For sure. And we'll talk all about the book. How about that? Sounds great. Yeah, I'd love to. Awesome. Oh, man. Heather, that was fun. Awesome. I told you you were going to love him. You were right. I know. I know. It's, you know, sisterly intuition. (laughs) Well, friends, we hope that today has spoken into your life. I believe there's people listening that you probably need your kids or maybe yourself Mm -hmm. in vision therapy. I actually have some friends that I'm going to text when we're done here and say, I think you need to check this out with your children. Because I know specifically a few friends that have struggled with um, their child and they think they're dyslexic. They've been... Uh, unofficially labeled that yeah um and it it, it doesn't hurt to go get it it doesn't out. hurt yeah so. just to just to see mm-hmm. if there's anything yep. there so um we'll link everything on the show notes so mm-hmm. check that out share this with a friend who might need this yep. i was telling my girlfriend the other day i said if i had had someone send me a podcast and say do you think this could have anything to do with crosley's reading yes it would have meant 
the world yes. to me. That yes. one, my friend had thought of me. And two, that perhaps that was an inroad to what hope. I needed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, check out all the notes. Uh, share this with somebody. Hey, and wherever you listen, will you hop over and rate and review this show? Mm-hmm. Because it helps with all the algorithms mm-hmm. in all of podcast world, which is massive now. It is massive. Helps people find this show and um, hear this great episode today. Thank you so much for listening. We'll chat with you next time. 